amazing how God always blessed us and uh, it's so nice to, to have played uh, Platon thank you for the special music thank you for playing the piano you know God is great and he have always blessed this church with so many talents and music and I hope it's not the last time <laughs> it's always nice to to have the the piano going I would like to start with a word of prayer. We're gonna be, I'm gonna be giving you the introduction of the book of Hebrew. I know the Sabbath school lesson is in regards of that amazing book. And I just want to um, kind of summarize the whole book on, and ways, um, I like to summarize the book before I start studying so I know what, what, I'm, what I'm studying. And it helps me to focus on, on um, and in which areas, and I know the Sabbath School only covers one section, and today I'm gonna to expand a little bit more about, um, about what the Sabbath School lesson does not cover. And I will need uh, the media to put, the, to put the, the, the projectors and all this equipment. This is not a sermon, this is a class. I don't like, I don't, I'm not good at doing sermons, but I'm very good at, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, it's easy for me to do a class versus a sermon. So this is not gonna be a sermon. This is gonna be a class. The teachings of the introduction of the book of Hebrew. And I pray that um, this one will give you a little bit more areas to focus on. And as you um, as, as continue studying the Sabbath School lesson, uh, this this short uh, introduction will help you to to bring about um, information. It'll be nice if I have the TV on too. Thank you. Let's see. You know, every time we deal with technology, it's it's always. Um, It makes me more nervous than the actual presentation. <laughs> okay, let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for all your blessings. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us the privilege and the honor to still have the freedom to come to worship you in your home, in your house. And as we begin the study of the, continuing the study of the book of Hebrews, we pray that your Holy Spirit translate to each one of us the message that you want us to have this morning. 
Amen. I would like to, and because this is recorded, I would like to give thanks to our greatest theologians of our Seventh-day Adventist Church, which is George Knight, and also Dr. Walter White. He's one of the few scientists in our organization, and he, those are my two major um, people that I always like to, to know what they're, they're thinking, because it helps me to learn and it help, helps me to expand my knowledge. And I especially I want to thank the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is what allow us, each one of us, to not only to learn, to understand, but also to put in practice the message of God. So what we're going to be talking about is some of them you might know already. So um, the, the book of Hebrew is not a letter. You know, normally in the, in the New Testament, almost all the books are kind of letters that the apostles have written. But this book is not a, a letter, it's a sermon. It's a sermon of a great <laughs> theologian, the Apostle Paul. It, it, and, I, and I'm saying that he's the greatest theologian because he was taught directly by Christ. So it, it's amazing. Uh, Paul wrote it in Hebrew. This sermon was written in Hebrew. But the Apostle um, Luke uh, translated it in Greek. As you know, all the, all the New Testament, it was written in Greek as for the people in that era. And the Old Testament was written, most of them, in Hebrew. And also, it was uh, one of the last books to be canonized in our Bible. And this book is a love letter from God to humanity, even though the, the world refuses. <coughs> refuse and refuses the light, and they prefer to follow the shadows. So in the Sabbath school lesson, we talked, um, is organized in a, very, in, a, in a very interesting way. The Sabbath school lesson, it covers the introduction, the message of the Hebrews, the promise of the son, and then Jesus, the faithful brother, the, uh, the giver of rest, the faithful priest, the anchor of the soul, the, um, the mediator, the sacrifice. But then there is also an outline, an outline of the entire book. And it's um, the message of Paul. It has four major, major themes or major things that he wants to emphasize. And these four, four different topics or things or ideas, he will present it in different ways in many, many different ways. But the main, main objective of this sermon is to demonstrate, to show the magnificence of Jesus. And he will present it in different ways. He will present it as a the better revelation, um, as a person, as a better name, better leader, better priest, better priesthood. Uh, the magnificence of Jesus' work, he, he will go into the, a better covenant and a better blood and also the magnificence of Jesus' achievements. We have a better country and a better city when we go to heaven. So these are the four major objectives that Paul had when he wrote this sermon and he preached it. So let's review some themes that he covers on the entire book. He had the magnificence of Jesus, of course. It, it, it all goes through the whole book. We have the full assurance of Jesus, 
the assurance of salvation, the assurance that he is it. Without him, nothing we can do. We have, he presents how we sometimes minimize sin. We don't give the importance of um, the sin and we reject or neglect Jesus. Also, he covers, um, it reminds us that our Christian life is a pilgrimage. Sometimes in this world, we forget that we're not in this world. We are going to our world, our, our kingdom, our nation. And sometimes people get so into politics. It, goes, it gets in so much into the, the, the things of this world that we forget what we're preparing for. And he brought that to the church members of that era. And it also talks about the faith, the quality above all others to, that should be characterized of God's people. We, followers of Christ, we should be known by our faith. And he presents that in different ways. He also, he brings the Sabbath. The Sabbath plays a distinctive and unique role in the whole, in the whole worship experience and also for the end time. And the last thing that he talks about is salvation. The second coming, he refers that as the day and the eternal rest that we will have in heaven. And it's interesting that he, even though he have a main objectives, but he have different themes, different examples, different ways in how to present his message to the church. And I would like, as we go, we go above things that there might not be covered in the Sabbath school lesson, or that might not be so clear, uh, obvious in the lesson, I want you to remember, and I want you, as, as I review a few things that Paul reviews or, or, or um, mentioned in the book, think about us, think about yourself, think about our church, and think about have, have we improved than the churches where Paul was preaching this sermon? Are we better than them? Or do we still have the same problems? So the, he, he likes to address two major topics, the spiritual liturgy of the church. Do we have liturgy of the church in these days and age? Our churches are very, very asleep. And also how to pull us out of the root of that indifference. In our church, we have two major, major Hand, not, not handicap, major issues that affect in our church, our church members. And when I say church, I'm referring not to the building, but to each individual church members. In general, in our churches, we can see this spiritual liturgy. How do we, how, how do we understand this spiritual liturgy? The way I see spiritual liturgy is that church members are so accustomed to come into the church and listen go home, and their conscience are clear. But the spiritual liturgy is, is much more than just action of what we do. The spiritual liturgy is not wanting, not taking time to study the word, not taking time in a daily basis, spending time with Christ, our creator, our, our, our brother, our father, our, the one that he died, sacrificed, for our salvation. If you sit down and think about how you spent yesterday, Friday, how did you spend your day? How much time did you spend on yourself? How much time did you spend with Jesus? 
And that's what I'm talking about, a spiritual lethargy. The time that we spend for ourselves should be equal or less than the time that we spend in the presence of God. And in this book, Paul brings different ideas or different ways and how can we pull out from this lethargy. And one of the things that called my attention the most is how he brilliantly, he, uni he unites the Old Testament with the New Testament fulfillment. He takes the Old Testament and then presented it and how it was fulfilled in the New, in the New Testament. He combines both, both sections of the Bible. He presents a topic, he presents a concept of which is, is very unique. He, he makes the contrast of Jesus, of which is the substance, the creator, the, the savior, the ruler of God, eternal Lord, Jehovah. He presents the, the substance. It's like this book. This book has a substance. It's, it's, it's it. But then when you put it in the light, it creates a shadow. And the world prefers to follow that shadow than the substance, the real thing. And, it, that, and the, whole, the whole book of Hebrew is always bringing this comparison between the real thing and the shadow. And the world tends to, to focus on that shadow. And when you are focusing on the shadow, you might be misinterpreting a lot of things because the shadow changed. The shadow changed a lot. In Facebook, I, I saw a picture or uh, a little video of uh, one of those centripets, those uh, worms that have about, those little worms that have about a thousand or a hundred feet legs. I don't know how you call them. And then it, it sh centerpiece, okay. And then it was the sun or, or the light and the shadow. The worm was very, very, very small and the shadow was huge. It was big and it was so funny. And when I looked at it, like it reminds me of the main the main, um, the main idea that Paul wants to remind us us that sometimes we focus on the shadows except of the real thing, the light. He brings the comparison between light and darkness, between good and evil, between Qin and Shan. You know, the Chinese have their own, their own way of things. And he always, in every single example that he brings, he always tries to de directed back to Christ because Christ is the real thing. It's not the shadow, it's the real, real thing. And some issues that he covers, and I'm sure um, in regards of our church members, he covers, he gives us warnings against traditions versus God's word. In our church, like any other church, we have a lot of traditions which are not founded in God's word. I am not saying that traditions are bad. Tradition becomes bad when they're followed instead of God's word. He also brings the ritualism, the rituals, and the true worships. Many times in our church have certain rituals and how Sabbath schools should be held or how the second service should be held. But those are rituals made by man. But the true worship, it's not about the rituals, how we conduct, is internal, the true worship. And the Bible talks about what is the true worship. And Leslie White talks about what is the true worship. It's not about coming to church. It's not about giving tithes and offering, which is, those are signs of how, how our spiritual life is. But 
The true worship is not a place. It's not an order of event. It's not a, a location. The true worship starts here and comes out in our actions. He also talks about the authority of Jesus, the Son. It's interesting because when, when we study um, the, 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 the history of beliefs in our church, from the beginning of ages, since Jesus came, it has always been, they never attacked God, they never attacked the Holy Spirit, but they always attacked Jesus and his authority, who he is. And all, if you look at, and in most of other religions, they don't go too much into, into God or Holy Spirit. They focus on Christ, if he's a son or not a son of God, if he's a creative being, if he's not, you know, he's a great prophet. I mean, the, the authority of Jesus is always questioned because Satan always brings those into our minds because he hates Jesus Christ from the beginning of time. And all the attacks goes into it. And, um, and some problems that the church was having, and as a good pastor, as a good sermon, he addresses those problems. It's in interesting. They have a lot of problems that he, he presented it. He's drifting away. Some member was drifting away. Drifting from what? Where? And I'm adding the Bible text and the, the, the location of that so you can go back and study that. And as you study the lesson, he spent some time on those things and how, why Paul brought it, why he thought it was important to bring it as a church member, and also think about, am I one of them? Is he talking to me right now? And um, don't think about if he's talking to someone else. Don't forget, forget about someone else. Focus on you. Focus on whoever is reading. Am I, is he talking to me? And um, take heed, you know, it's important to, to listen, um, to listen to what Paul is telling me, telling you, because that is, it can affect our salvation. He also talks about how we neglect faith. And as a good class, I would like to, I think at least one person or two to share how can we neglect faith? Give me a practical behavior or a practical way that when we do it or not do it, we are neglecting the development of our faith. Craig? In receiving, <clears throat> in receiving the knowledge and the wisdom of God and never sharing it. Okay. That's neglecting your faith. And as, as we read before, faith should be the foundation. We should be known for our faith. If there's anybody else that would like to share, what can, how can we neglect faith? How, before we say neglect, how can we build our faith? Let me start with that. How can we build our faith? Prayer. Prayer? What else? Prayer. What else? Studying. Study. Knowing Jesus Christ. You know, faith is like falling in love. How did you fall in love with someone? By spending time, by knowing that person, knowing his character, knowing what he have done in the past, knowing what or she have done in the past. The same thing with Christ. To build our faith, our confidence, the assurance in Jesus Christ, we need to know what he have done in the past, what he's doing now, and what he's going to do in the future for me 
So when crisis comes, our faith is very well founded. And by not spending time and knowing to whom do we believe, we are neglecting the growth of our faith. He also talks about tempted to unbelief. And it's interesting the word that he used. We are tempted not to trust and not to believe in Jesus Christ. And it's funny because um, I have two, two uh, grown-up kids. And um, now that they're all grown up, I've, I spent two weeks with my daughter, with our daughter. It's mine when she's good and it's ours, his when she's not that quite there. But, um, and it, we, were, we were talking about um, the, my, as of any parents, our concern is the salvation of our children. And I, I asked her, you know, have you ever, have uh, we as parents, have we ever gave you any, any example that creates a bad a way that you can start on, um, tr um, losing the faith in God? And then she said, Mom, you know, as a teenager, as, they grow, as we grow older, we had a lot of unbeliefs. We had a lot of doubts. We have a lot of, um, we didn't understand the concept of God and what he had done for us. But as she have grown older and, uh, and her spiritual life have <laughs> continued growing, and sometimes, sometimes she, she knows more about the Bible than, than me. And uh, one of the things that I really admire of, of Lelani is that she does have a gift that I wish I had, but God saw that it was not needed. But God has given her the gift of discernment. She takes a Bible verse and then she tells you things that I could never put a possible see it. And then she can connect points from here, from there, and, and brings the whole, the whole two, three hours on, on one verse, one little verse. And, um, but the unbelief is the key, is the key function of Satan. Every time that you have a thought that put a question on God's motive, every time you think about that God listened to me, every time that you doubt Christ, who do you think is putting those thoughts in your mind? It's the devil. The devil is the whole purpose to make sure that you doubt Christ. And if you neglect faith, the unbelief, you, you will be tempted, but you will fall because you are neglecting that faith, that trust in God. He also talked about how sin is very deceitful. And if we, don't, if we minimize the, the harm of a sin, of a, a bad habit that we have, if, because God is good. I mean, Satan is very good to minimizing sin. It's amazing. It's really amazing how how um, Satan minimizes how dangerous sin is. And sin is very deceitful. And it's deceitful because who brings sin? Or the temptation of doing wrong thing is by Satan. He's the deceitful. That's why he's called Satan. He's the deceitful. Because sin is very, very deceitful. It will lie to you and will grab you in his snare. And by the time you wake up, it will be too late, or very, very, very close to, to be late. Um, late. <coughs> fail to grow spiritually. I think uh, fail to grow spiritually 
I think that is the engine that, that picks up everything else on those problems that he, he touched. The failure to grow spiritually. If, if our spiritual life is not better today than yesterday, we are not growing. In, in my field, actually my current field, uh, that I'm working on, a child is supposed to grow. And we have milestones for every single month. At two months of age, they should be doing this. At three months of age, should be doing this cognitive, it should be doing this in language, should be doing this in fine motors or in gross motor or, you know, there's certain milestones in each areas of development. And if a child is not growing or it's not developing where he's supposed to be, then we call it that he is delayed, developmentally delayed, and we put a plan to treat that or to help that child to catch up. The same thing with spirituality. When you are, um, when, when, when you come to the church for the first time, when you come to Christ for the first time, you're a newborn. It's considered like a newborn, a baby, that you want things to be fed by milk, and, and hopefully by giving this example, one Bible text that Paul uses, it won't might come to your mind, or the other apostles that have used it too, but, but if you still two, three, four, five years, 10 years, 20 years in, a, in Christ, and you still need milk, you still need to be fed by someone else, you are, you are failing to grow spiritually. And a, and a mature spiritual person is when they take time to study the Bible, the words, what God is trying to tell you, the, 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 the whole, I mean, the, a Bible, like this afternoon, uh, for those who would like to, it's completely voluntarily, we have um, Daniel, study of Daniel, we, we're going, to, it's a very superficial, but in depth, a very in depth study of Daniel with the focus of uh, end time. And um, if you take each, each section or each word or sentence and apply it to why God allowed this to be there for an end time, the Holy Spirit will open up your, open up your understandings and your belief in the major, major things. So it's very important not, not to be a spiritually delayed. By this time, by 20 years in the church, you should be mature, taking time to really study and feed others instead of being fed. That's one important thing. And, he's not, and, and that is not all. He continues with other issues. He gradually stopping to come to church. Do we have that in our churches today? And I know 2020 didn't help, actually. He, he pushed a lot against it. But the devil doesn't start on making you not to go. He starts very, very slow. Very, very slow. And you will use any excuse not to go. And it comes to the point that if you're not listening, if you're not aware that those are um, a way of Satan taking you little by little down to the point that you will stop going to church, then one day you will find yourself not going to church for months. And um, excuses, what are the excuses that people normally use? 
some excuses that I use in the past, and sometimes I'm tempted, believe me, tempted to, to do it too, is sickness. When you're sick, this is me. I'm not saying you should do it, but this is me because I'm, I am the worst enemy when it comes to myself. But if I go to work when I'm sick, I go to church. If I don't go to work because I'm too sick, that can I go at work? Then I, I might consider, mm, okay, maybe I should rest. But if I go to work sick, I go to church. If I study, even though I don't feel like it, I need to spend time in God's word, even though I don't want it. Because that, the not wanting doesn't come from God. It comes from the deceiver. Okay? And gradually stopping to church, all the thing was is more convenient and soon. Oh my goodness, how convenient it is. You don't have to get up early. You don't have to put makeup or at least for females. I don't know about guys, but I mean for us to get dressed, to find what to wear, something comfortable or something nice or the hair. And I mean, other, other excuses would be I don't have time or I went to bed too late. That's, that's the most common one. The devil always makes sure that we begin the day wrong. And then there's a reason why in creation, the, the day starts in the evening of the previous day. You know why? Because how you begin the new day, it will affect the rest, the rest of your day. If you don't go to bed on time, if you don't sleep enough, if you don't, if you don't, um, if you don't spend, you know, if you don't begin your day in the evening the way it should be, the rest of the day it will be affected. If you don't sleep well, especially on Fridays, you don't want to go wake up in the morning like this morning. I didn't want to get up, even though I slept good. I mean, those are the temptations that God gives you. You know, sometimes don't go to church. Why are you gonna go to church? I mean, you don't have nothing to do there. Although in this church, everybody has something to do, but. In the big churches, um, I remember when I was, I have always been in big churches, um, I would say, you know, why am I going to go there if I don't, um, I don't have anything to do, I don't have any responsibilities, nobody will know if I come or go. You know, there's different ways how the devil tempts us, but little by little, stopping to go to church. And... Uh, a lot of people say, well, I, I listen, the, the preacher doesn't have good sermons. I, I'd rather have a sermon, uh, listen to a sermon online by these great preachers. But that was not God's plan. Because coming to church has a specific purpose. The coming to church has nothing to do with learning. It's about sharing. Because the learning is done during the week. On Sabbath, on the church, when you come to church, is to share what you have learned, to share what God has given you, to support, to help each other. Um, he also brings um, some publicly renounced Christ, like we were talking in Sabbath school. Some people leave the church. And um, I, think, I, think, I think it was Alicia said that those who leave the church are not because of you know, whatever excuse they use that they left church, it's because they did not have Christ in their hearts. When someone leaves a church, they will use, they found an excuse to leave. That's the only thing that they're doing. Some people leave the church because of someone looked at me wrong. That's an excuse. That's not the real reason. Or someone leaves the church because 
uh, someone was mean to you, that's a reason. That's an excuse. It's not a reason. The reason why you leave a church is because you neglected your faith. You neglected uh, the spiritual growth. You neglected... Um, you, you minimize the, the dangers of sin. You follow your, the ideas that Satan put in your, in your minds. He also talked about doctrine errors. I, I always tell my, my, my students, you know, also church members or whoever I have a chance to, to tell them, like, if you come to church because you grew up in the church, you're accustomed to go to the church, or if you don't go to church, it doesn't feel like Sabbath, but you don't understand why or why do you believe what you believe, you will be taken. Um, whoever comes, it will take you down in the wrong doctrines. If you are not rooted in Christ, if you're not rooted in your beliefs, the deceiver will catch you. You will fall. If, you're, if, you're not, if you are not sure of why do you come to church, why do you believe what do you believe, they will, he will deceive you. He also talked about discouragement. Don't we all go through that discouraged? Don't we get discouraged sometimes? And, and one of the things personally, I, don't, I know each one is different, but for me when I get discouraged, it's mainly because I'm starting to pay attention to me, myself, and I. And that's the root of all evil. <laughs> And it's interesting because if you don't have this awareness, when you start getting discouraged of, you know, these people do this or this one did that or whatever, 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 if you, are, if you have your awareness turned on, you will realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, that, that's not the issue. The issue is that I'm focusing. And that's what the devil wants. He wants you to focus on yourself. Focus on how people treat you. Focus on what you should be receiving. Focus on your entitlement, what you're entitled of. And do we live in a world of entitlement? Especially here in the United States? Who? It's unbelievable. And all those things, it will bring to weakness. And weakness, spiritual weakness, is the same as exercise. It's the same as muscles. If you want to do, like for example, um, my brother was trying to, when I started losing weight, my brother was telling me you need to do exercise. You need to you know, make your muscles strong because if not, then uh, um, you will, you know, especially in our, in our age, going to, going, preparing ourselves to retirement and all these things. You know, the muscles start getting, if you don't use it, it gets weak. And one of the things that he told me to do was push-ups, but he didn't taught me the push-up, the female push-up. He, he showed me male push-ups, and, and I want to be very proud. I was able to do half of a push-up, meaning from the top going down. I couldn't even hold myself in, in, in the position of the flank, I call it flank, uh, much less going down. He, he put me in the position of how I should I should end, and the only thing that I was able to do was going down, half a push-up. And um, he told me, "Don't you know? If you're consistent, you will be able to to do it." Now, after several months, even though I have not been as consistent as I should, I can do up to five and uh, five or six push-ups 
you know, with no problem. And then by the six, seven, I'm already like, like, and it's, it's interesting how, <coughs> last time I was doing the push-ups, I was thinking like, it feels so good afterwards. It feels very good. There's, there's all this, this hormone and all these things, the wellness that comes, um, and I'm escaping the word. No, no, no. Why the, the, the hormone of well-being? Endorphins. You know, when you do exercise, and after I finish doing my exercise and push-ups, abdominals, and stretches here and there, I feel so good. I feel so happy. I feel top of the world. But then that is not enough to make me go back and do it again the next day. Why? Why? Why is it that it's so hard to do something that feels so good? Requires self-control. I will need a microphone to respond. Uh, on weakness, where I think we are now. I know Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Why? Because he died to himself, and he let Jesus Christ uh, live in him. Mm -hmm. exactly. And he became strong. Exactly. So he turned it. Exactly. Weakness is really from the devil. Strength is from God. Exactly. And the same weakness. If we, we want to have a strong muscles, what do I need to do? Exercise. Exercise. Put the time, the effort, and be consistent. Exercise, like you exercise your body, you should exercise your mind and exactly. your heart. Exactly. Our spiritual growth. How can we be strong spiritually? How can we become strong in our faith? How can we be how can we be strong in our fight with the devil? And you said it. The exercise what? Exercise your mind and your heart. Your heart, your mind, by reading by the reading Bible, the by Bible, spending the time with the source. You know, God is the one that gave us the source. How much time are you connected? We have a like, small little vacuum that works about two hours, but it takes about 100 years to charge up. And then when I look at that, it's like, that's the way we should be. We should spend like a few hours in doing little things, and then the rest of our day in the connect, connected to the power to charge up our, our, our batteries, our spiritual batteries, our mind, our mental strength. So we are not connected to the source as much as we should. You know, when you study the Bible, the Holy Bible, the Word of God, you are studying Jesus Christ. You find him in the very beginning in Genesis and in the very end in Revelation. Yeah. In the beginning, God created. In the end, I come quickly. I'm coming to save everyone, to Amen. deliver them. Yep. Exactly. Jesus Christ. You're, you're learning about Jesus. Exactly. So this book in Hebrew, if you have not started to study the lesson, and you're the one, you're one of those that goes to Sabbath school to see what the lesson's about, um, you're missing a lot. You're missing a lot of, remember, this is the love letter from God for you, for me. And we need to sit down and read it. I don't know about you, but when I receive a letter from my daughter, now it's called email, um, but way back when I, when I received a letter from my parents, I ran and I took it, I, I read it. I spent time reading it, and, and I read it several times. But the Bible 
is a love letter to our creator, our, our, our redeemer. How much time did we spend reading his love letter? <coughs> but he not only brought those issues that we're still struggling with it, he brought a solution. And please take note of what the solutions are. We need to stay alert. I mean, we're supposed to be watchers. Like in Daniel, in Revelation, we're supposed to be watchers. But if you, if you don't know what to watch, then you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. We need to be alert. We need to be intentional. We need to be aware of our surrounding, aware of our, what we're doing, what, how we're doing it, what we hear, what we see. We need to be in the present to grasp. We need to grasp what? Jesus. We need to grasp the lifesaver. If you are drowning, where are you going to hold on to? Whoever wants to, you know, the, the lifesaver or the, the lifeguard or whoever is able to keep you floating. And we need to grasp the doctrines. We need to grasp the Holy Spirit. We need to grasp the freedom that we still have in studying, to spend time on learning and see and spend time in God's word, and, and, and look forward to see what God is bringing you, what point he's connecting you, and all the things that you have learned individually. He also mentioned about to consider, that word consider. What that means to consider, <coughs> to think about, to review it, to go back and think about it, meditate about it. So he's called, we need to consider, consider what? our behaviors, the way we're doing, the thing that we should be doing, the thing that we're not doing, the thing, you know, consider our spiritual awareness, our spiritual growth, our weakness, all the problems that he mentioned before, we need to be considering, are we one of them? Am I have that problems? What do I need to do? We need to be alert, we need to grasp, we need to know what we're doing, we need to rethink, reread, we need to recall. To recall, I know we have talked about this a lot. What do we need to recall? To remember the things God has done for us in the past. Amen. Amen. If we remember what God has done in the past and what he's doing today, when, when things get hard, we can hold on to the things that God has done to me you in the past. Remember the promises. Remember the promises. You know, there's over a thousand promises in the Bible. Do you know any of those? How can you claim a promise if you don't know what they are? I mean, talk, talking about considering, grasping, being alert, and recalling the promises, if you don't know what they are, how can you claim a promise and the beauty of our life in Jesus Christ is that we have the assurance that when God says it it's gonna happen and if God promised something it will happen and we are not utilizing that we are not we're not recalling and one of the things that is very helpful is when God you know I have a list and I know you have seen it. Every time it's a prayer, every time it's, a, it's an answer prayer, I like to write things down of the blessing that God has given. Because I don't know about you guys, but my mind is like a crap. I mean, I, I walk backwards, and, and, and 
So if I don't write it down, I'm going to forget. So all the blessings that God gives me in a daily basis, I write it down. Because Satan will make sure that he's going to make you forget. And when things get tough, I like to go back to my list of all the prayer answers that God has given me. And that will give me the reassurance. That's why Paul mentioned the recalling. They recall the thing that happened and, and consider them and grasp your faith and your belief. It's extremely important. And the next one, it talks about holding fast. What that means, holding fast? To keep? To keep. Amen. You need Never to hold go. on. Never let go. Never let go. And that's what the Satan will do, whatever it takes to make you stumble so you can let your hand go. You need to, from the moment that you wake up, your first thought should be, good morning, Lord. What do you want me to do today? Or please stay with me in my schooling, in my classes, in my relationship. Every time someone, you have the opportunity or privilege to talk with someone else, you know, what are you doing with that time? Are you wasting it? Or are you utilizing that, that point to, to share with others the blessing, the happiness that we have in Christ? He also talked about to be earnest. Earnest. What is earnest? Strong and a strong desire. And if you do not have a desire to spend time with Jesus, if you don't have the desire to study the Bible, the love letter that God given us, that lack of desire do not come from God. So you need to be aware. You need to be alert <laughs> of how those little things Satan is always putting in your, in your way to make us weak, to make us let go, that make us uh, discouraged. So we need to be more alert. And he brings some, some doctrines as well. He, he talks about a few examples. He talks about faith. He talks about faith. He gives several examples. Like for example, he gave the example of Jesus and Moses, that both of them, it was known for what? For his faith. He also brought the example of Israel. How the failures of Israel, why they fail. They lack the connection, the power, the electricity, the faith. And also, he, Paul tells us that faith is the one that allows to be conquerors with our physical hardship and temptations. We don't have those. We won't make it. He also brings a theology point. The big theological point on this book is the magnificence of Jesus. He, time and time again, he always brings us back to remember reality, the light, the substance. You need to focus on the substance, the essence, who, who God is, not the shadow of other people talking about him, and not, and not the shadows of, of what Christ could be or was or in other people's way. If you come to church just to listen, you are listening to the shadows. But if you sit down and spend time and studying with the Holy Spirit and reading and asking God to open the Bible for you, then you are getting the substance in your life. The, the understanding of the substance, the Christian will be renewed, 
revived and invigorated. Paul is letting us know that if we understand that concept of reality, of light versus shadows, we will be able to renew ourselves, for Christ will renew ourselves, will revive us, and will will get invigorated when we understand that concept. And he writes all those in a structural way. He structured his sermon in a very, very unique way. And I'm going to share with you four things. He brings four things, the structure of the whole book. He brings an argument, and then he explains it, or he applies it. He brings an argument, he explains it. He brings an argument, he This is the structure of how he present his sermon. And it's very interesting because when you start reading um, the studying the, the lesson, you will see that structure, the argument, and then the, the, the application. And I'm going to show only three examples so you will know, and you will know where to find those texts. Text, he introduced the high priest. He introduces it in chapter 2, he expanded in chapter 4 and 5, and then he full developed this concept on chapter 10 through 10, 7 to 10. So he's very consistent, he's very methodical in his structure of the sermon. He introduces the concept, high priest, he expanded it later on with examples and ideas and ways and whatever, and then in the end he explained the same thing and how to apply it in our personal lives. Another example that he, he used, I mean there are several, but I only bring in three, is the covenant. He introduced the concept of covenant in chapter 7. He expanded that concept on chapter 8, and then he applies it on full developed on chapter 10. And the other example, and this is going to be the last example that I'm going to bring, is faith. He presents the concept of faith in chapter 2, he expanded in chapter 3, and he full developed it in chapter 11. That's how he, how he structures his thoughts, what he tries to convey to us. And for closing, the personality of God is represented in Jesus Christ. Like Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. If God would have come to die for us, it would have been exactly, might not be exactly the same way Jesus handled it, but the outcome would have been the same. Because as we know, God, the Father, God, the Son, the whole God, the Holy Spirit, they, even though they are united in one mission and goal, have different characteristics. And they do go about doing things differently, but with the same outcome. So the personality of God is represented in Jesus Christ. If you study the personality of Jesus Christ, you will know the personality of God and the personality of the Holy Spirit. He is the express image of his father as a person. And if you're going to, if, if, if you're going to summarize the whole, Bible, the whole book of Hebrew in three words, will be the joy of being in Christ, the assurance of who he is, and the practical values that he has given us to remain until the end when Jesus comes. And and I'm going to finish with the scripture reading. It says, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. And the word that he uses, heard, in, 
He used that word her, not writing, because in those days, hardly anybody knew how to read. So people went to the synagogues to hear the word of God. That's why he used that word. So don't, 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 don't take it literally, like, oh, I just come to church to hear. No, no. You need to study it, read it. So if we would not take that verse and apply it to our time, our time, 99% of people know how to read. Right? So it's the opposite to when he wrote, when Paul wrote that back when. So he said, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the thing that we read and study, and let at any time we should let them slip. And it's my prayer today that I know um, the Sabbath school lesson covers each semester take a book. Well, this is trying to do that. But the Sabbath, don't be happy. Don't be... <laughs> Don't be conformed with just what the Sabbath school lesson covers because the Sabbath school lesson only covers very superficial of any book or any topic. But I want you to grow spiritually. I want you to act your age spiritually and not only study the Sabbath school lesson, but build upon it. Study more what God is trying to tell you. How can you be more Christ-like? How can you become an S? We, as Christians, we should have the essence like the Sabbath school. All Christians should have the essence of what? Of Christ. So we need to give the more earnest heed. We need to listen. Be intentional in our spiritual growth, in our, in our relationship with Christ, to be connected to the power to be able to survive the end time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message that you have brought to us today. And it is my prayer, Lord, that your Holy Spirit take those words and put them in each one of the, the hearers in their minds and, and put the urgency in their hearts of the urgency that we need to spend more time in God's presence. We need to spend less time in the shadows of the world and spend more time in the light, in the, in the essence, in the substance of which is the one that's going to carry us in the end of time. Amen.